What's up, fam? Mm. What's up, squad? What's up, matriarchy? <laughs> my people, my dudes, my ladies. Yeah, the ladies. My homeboys and homegirls. Welcome to another episode of Last Week Out. It's your fucking gracious host, Mr. Chudzy Wubsy, dude. And as you can see, fucking Papito's not here, so it's going to get fucking wild. Let me tell you something today, boys. Because usually, Mr. fucking Alt-Right Anthony to my left <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some kind of secret meeting of the lizards going on, dude. Fucking, he's not here, so everyone knows that he's actually one of the lizard people, dude. And he also <laughs> believes, check this out about Anthony. Anthony <laughs> believes, check this out. He believes that we live in a simulation and that space isn't real. Hold on, hold on. Like Matrix. Simulation? I'm actually a cat. <laughs> that was him. He's actually a cat. Whoa. Okay. He believes that the moon, <laughs> there's no space. That anything about space is completely photoshopped. That's mm. Anthony Tatum, guys. That's Atlanta three 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 on fucking Instagram. Follow him, dude, and be like, yo, bro, what the fuck? What do you mean there's no space? Have you never heard of Neil Armstrong, dude? Look at the shirt I'm wearing today. Yeah. It says NASA. NASA's a real thing, dude, so don't tell me NASA's not a real fucking (laughs) thing, dude, okay? Everyone wanted to be an astronaut when they were growing up. (laughs) Everybody, dude. Everyone. All right, man, you guys already know. We got this lo-fi banger that plays. That's from DJ Devin Hancock, and you can follow him on Instagram, dude. He's got some dope shit coming on. Uh, He's got, like... All kinds of different, like he does mixing and mastering, video producing. He's like making these videos for these like local Arizona artists, and they're dope, dude. So go check that out. He's cute. Yeah, and he's a and he's a cute kid, dude. Yeah, and dude. fucking follow him, dude. Um, and then we got all this dope ass banners and artwork. I don't know if you can see it fully in the video. You probably can't, but that's like a last week out rendition of a Newport Shorts, dude. And that's by the. The wonderful and the talented Miss fucking T Galore, dude, at Sissy Art, man. L-W-O. L-W-O, dude. So those, that's the plugs, dude. And then we got, don't forget, we got fucking, we got t- fucking uh, Tony Vapes a lot, dude, over here to the right, dude. Mr. fucking David vaping, vape, vaping away, dude. And that sweet, sweet sound you just heard him fucking hitting right there, dude. A little bit of this. <laughs> Oh, Pass little, that over to the guest, dude. Little, it's not drugs. It's fucking nicotine. And yeah. guess what, dude? This podcast is sponsored by Butt Out E-Cigs. Ding, butt. Good big butt. Mm, yeah. Right? And you can go on there right now. You can order anything. Hardware, vape juice. I think one time we said sandwiches. You can probably get like... You could probably adopt a child on there, dude. And it'll you said be at memes. Your door. Memes the oh, other and week. Memes, you can buy memes. Dude. You can yeah. buy memes, dude. And you can fucking you can adopt a child. It'll be at your doorstep in three freaking days, dude. But the specialties vape juice, yeah. But the specialties vape juice, and also if you want to, <laughs> if you want any of that cool shit, dude, you're gonna have to put in the last week out in the promo code bar. And you're going to not only get 20% off of your little Ethiopian child, you're also going to get 20% off all of your vape juice needs, dude. So fucking get on there and check it out. So, Mike, I just want to go ahead and apologize up front that uh, you drew the short straw. Anthony's not here today. You're going to get everything. Is but I think this is full frontal. Is but I think this mind? is this is gonna be really good. This is gonna be good because our relationship starts fucking day one, dude. Day one, dude. You were the first person that I ever like met because, our, ever, as everyone knows, um, that most of the people we have on this podcast and myself and Alt Right Anthony and David Slack we're all in recovery, I'm, right? Don't blow my anonymity, please. Yeah, well. <laughs> And fucking so like a lot of the people we bring in um, are in recovery Uh, and reason being dude is that we have gotten the privilege to hear all these crazy stories and all these trials and tribulations that people have gone through and these milestones they've reached in their life man and like it's just a beautiful thing to sit back and watch somebody come from absolute just garbage and demise and darkness and to like come out of that man to come out of that and be a better person to themselves to the ones around them it's just a beautiful fucking thing man so it was i don't know five years ago i met our guest dude fucking sucio canelo dude (laughs) and let me tell you something about this dude right here man 
Um, not only was one of his nicknames in early sobriety Hot Mike, Ooh, as you can see hot from the video, he's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also just the kind of guy that um, is too smart for his own bridges, dude. You know, and his own the, bridges, his own like bridges, the, like the dude. Golden Gate, because he builds bridges. <laughs> he's so smart. He's did civil engineering, dude, and he builds bridges, and he's too smart for him, dude. <laughs> He's just smart for his own freaking bridges, dude. Does everyone get this kind of intro? Is this how it goes? <laughs> no, no, people don't get this kind of intro because I'm usually not the one that's like leading and actually like driving this bus right now, dude. So I'm fucking yeah, nervous. Yeah, we're flying dude. without a captain. I'm yeah. nervous. We're flying without a captain, dude. We're at but, hey, six minutes. And, and <laughs> hey, Commander Kayuti's got the wheel and we're going to fucking have a good time, dude. So Mike, hmm. usually Anthony does this really boring question about... Like, okay. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? So let's get through all that, dude. Where'd you grow up? Are you Arizona native? <laughs> I thought we were going to skip it. Yeah. It's no, no, it's good. Right. It's good. Well, I am from here in Phoenix, born and raised. And usually when I get to this part of my story, obviously we have to do this part a lot, talk about our story. I skip it entirely because there's nothing special about the way that I grew up. There's nothing. Literally think of like Beaver Cleaver and the way he grew up with the Wallies. And like that was my childhood. You know, my parents are still married. My dad's from upstate New York. Mom born in Buffalo. No, Rochester. Buffalo, never ducking low. Dude, I'm rocking it on my fucking... I got to my heart today, dude. Miss Have you Kate. ever been to Buffalo? No, dude, but Casey <laughs> Setlock has, dude. The fucking White Claw Queen, dude. And she's from the fucking White Buffalo, New York, dude. I know you're watching this, dude. So, mwah, kisses, dude. Anyways. There's a reason why he doesn't live in Buffalo anymore. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. I've been up back there a few times, and it's... Ugh. He's, he says that all his buddies that he grew up with still work in gas stations. So I guess that's what's the doing. Back there, they have the the big thing was like manufacturing in the Kodak. Like, can't, when was the last time you heard of Kodak other than the rapper? Mm, uh, just the other like day the, when I pulled out. When I, no, when I saw my girlfriend, I said, oh, you're so cute. This is a Kodak moment. There you go. Yeah, so no one ever stays there if they want to have any kind of life, I guess. Mm. So my dad moved out here, and uh, I have one older brother. He lives in Tahoe. He's actually moving to Sacramento now. Um, is he really, dude? Yeah. Your brother's a cute kid, too. Let me tell you, dude. He looks nothing. They used to make jokes all the time that we had different fathers. That's he not looks true. just <laughs> like me, except entirely tan dark hair thick eye. i mean my eyebrows yeah, well, yeah he's got that so. fucking he's got those fucking those eyebrows dude what's that what that actor's name uh that your dad looks like oh, keanu reeves my, no gosh what is this he he used to do he was in that movie with uh is it Sam lizzo Jack, no he was the dad, the dad American, from American American Pie. Pie. yeah eugene levy <laughs> yeah eugene levy <laughs> Coke bottle glasses, <laughs> thick black eyebrows. My dad's not Jewish, but he looks very Jewish. And he's a know? lawyer. So yeah. It's like he might actually double be down Jewish. <laughs> All the Jewish characteristics, none of the Jewish heritage, I guess is the way I put that. <laughs> yeah, man. So I grew up like super normal, rode bikes, hung out with the friends on the block kind of stuff, and uh, very involved in sports, and I did really well in school. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Mainly the the overarching theme of my childhood was sports. I ran track, played football, had a lot of success really young. There were a couple times where I um, was put in like the national stage, especially track. If if you've ever run track, I don't know if anyone has. The reason why they don't is because it's terrible. It's horrible. I ran the four hundred hurdles, and it's literally a sprint for as long as you can until you hate yourself. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that to yourself? What what position do you play in football? Um, wide receiver and free safety. I played nice. free safety mainly when I went to college, but in uh, you know throughout high school and stuff. Oh, you I played like, in college. I did at ASU. Wow. We're gonna get to that, dude. That's We're awesome. gonna get to that. We're still dude. in childhood. We're still in childhood. Oh. There's not much to Qu- talk about. With quick that. question though. Yeah. Quick question though. Because it sounds like you lived a very fulfilled life and you were probably a popular kid. Because you've always been a popular kid. You don't play sports and not be a popular kid or like the jock, right? Um, but even though you were that person, was there ever any moment where like or like this voice in the back of your head that was like you're not good enough and that you're not going to amount to anything because I know for me in my childhood that even though I accomplished really cool things like in sports and then skateboarding and then like all other weird shit um, even though I got these praises and I was like kind of a popular kid like I still had this like incessant voice in the back of my head just saying like you suck 
There was a there was a therapist. This is a little fast forward, but it'll make sense. There was a therapist at Calvary. She must have been in her thirties or something. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember. Her name was Lauren. Lauren. Lauren from Detroit. Yeah. Oh Lauren. my God, Lauren! If you ever listen to this, I have loved you since the day I met you, and I hope to God to see you again someday. The day I met her, I hated her. So we're still no same here. You tell a story. I'll tell a story. You tell okay. a story. I'll tell a story. All right. My story first. <laughs> yeah, your story right, first. Your story first. So I'm sitting in this circle and. Uh, she asked me who I was, which, you know, who knows how to answer that question? I still don't. But asked me who I was, and I start rattling off this list of things that I had done. I'd be like, well, I was a Division One football player, and I did really well in school, and I was in the honors college, and, and all of these things. And uh, she hits me. You've ever seen Goodwill Hunting, where mm-hmm. he kind of just keeps asking the same question until he starts crying, basically. And she keeps asking me. She goes, no, those are just things you've done. Like, I asked you who you are. And I literally sat there and I didn't have an answer for her. And I think to what you asked me originally with what my childhood looked like and what that feeling was, I don't ever really identify with not feeling good about myself. I think what really was the case is that if I didn't have anything with my name on it, like the latest victory or the, the good grade I just got or the success of that situation, if that was gone, then I felt like nothing. You know, and, and when I was younger, you know, I had a lot of those things back to back to back. So I always felt like I was OK. And later in my life, when those things started to stop happening in my life is really when I felt like I had nothing to offer anyone. Right. No. So it was like it was like Mike, Mike, the free safety, Mike, the the football player, Mike, the the hot guy, Mike, the jock, Mike. And then <laughs> yeah, it was, did you get a hot guy award? Dude? And no. then, did you get a hot <laughs> guy award? Dude? And then it was like and then it was like, you know, the heroin addict, Mike, the junkie, Mike. Right. And like, there's a progression to that, dude. Did you have a yearbook accolade? Most likely to blank. I had, I had two of them. Most, oh. most well known was the first one, Ooh, and then the good. second one was most likely, likely to be a professional athlete. Oh wow! Which is funny because the memory camp. It's like me holding this little styrofoam football. <laughs> Neither of those things happened. Um, and well known turned into like a bad reason to be well known. You yeah, know? yeah. Infamous. If you knew, if you knew my middle name, then uh, you probably didn't know my middle name because I didn't tell <laughs> my middle name. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, how the saying goes, yeah, dude. Wow. I, I have no idea where he's going with this one. Uh, dude, we're, getting off, we're getting off track, dude. It's accolades, dude. Yeah, so you know what, what ended up happening for me, I guess, in the long term of it, and it's always when you look back in retrospect because we're, you know, after we go through everything that we go through, I'm going to scoot closer because Dave keeps telling me to get That's like to when mic. Mercury's in retrospect. Retrograde. Retrograde. Yeah. Oh, I just saw a meme about Retrograde, that. you retrograde. ignorant it's son of a bitch. Right. Every time I complain to my brother, he goes, yeah, dude, Mercury's in retrograde, so you're probably having a bad time. <laughs> No, so I, I, looking back, it makes a lot of sense that I only felt that my worth was coming from the things that I could do or the things that I could be to other people rather than who I was. And it makes sense because when those things, even though I didn't you know, understand it was happening at the time, when those things started going away as the result of the choices that I had made and, and alcoholism and addiction, as it happens for a lot of us, I didn't have any friendships. I didn't have any meaningful relationships. I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere because that's naturally what alcoholism does to you at a long enough timeline. You get isolated. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, it felt so real that if I couldn't have those things in my life, then nobody would want anything to do with me. So I became so focused on the things I could do to get and receive love or acceptance from people that I never really sought it out as a basis of people will enjoy me for who I am or enjoy being around me as just being a friend or a family member or whatever. Only if I can do so many things would they want to be a part of my life. So when did that, when did that start happening? Because Obviously, uh, hindsight is is twenty twenty. Looking back on all that, but um, I know a little bit about your story, and I know that um, you at one time you were like, "Yeah, it's really hard to play college football and do Percocets." So at some point, at some point, you True started story. to get loaded, but you still had some of these accolades, right? You still had some of these um, labels, right? So like, what what was it? What was it that got you to the point where it's like, I'm gonna start doing these hard drugs, and I'm gonna uh, no longer take care of myself or do the right thing? Like, when did when did that progression begin? There was a so my junior year of high school. This is really where it started to show up. But like you said, I didn't start to lose things. I still had opportunity. I still saw a little bit of success in that path in my life. Um, 
you know, before the consequences started to come forward. But the first piece of it is I always remember my English teacher junior year, Mrs. Toller. Shout out. I know how to write a shout good out, Shout out, Mrs. Uh, Toller. What up, Toller? Five paragraph essay format. She was you got to hit him with, you got to hit him with that. What's that first sentence in the intro? Yeah. What's her handle? It's, atten- it's attention getter. <laughs> the attention getter. Yeah. Dude, attention get getter and leads up to your thesis. Usually a three prong for your three. Par- we yeah. don't need Chances to. are if you knew it's my English middle name, then you probably didn't know my middle name because I didn't tell anyone my middle name. There you go. It's um, Chad's mission statement. We'll give you a shot to hit that one the right way. So just try to work it in organically as we go through this. I don't remember. Do you uh, know my middle name? True, junior year. All right. I was told, Anthony told me before I got here that I might need to help guide this. <laughs> He's not here, so I'm trying to hold through to him. This is for you, Tatum. Uh, junior year, my English teacher had this couch in the corner. We weren't allowed to sit on it, which I don't understand why she had a couch, but me and my buddy david he's actually in recovery now what um, up dude david's no oh, i'm not gonna david we'll just call him david he had an injury the same time that i had an injury uh, i tore my hamstring running track it was gruesome bloody i woke up the next morning and i couldn't extend my leg past right there it was miserable how do you and- avoid something like that from happening because i'm so i was talking to somebody the other day about acl tears stretching and I was like, dude is it is that really all it is you just stretch so you don't fucking lose a leg what is it um anytime you ever get any type of uh like inflammation and i'm obviously so removed from this maybe science has surpassed it but they used to always talk about rice which is rest ice compression elevation i almost lost the c there so anytime that you feel any kind of tweak you're supposed to handle it immediately which i was drinking and partying at the time and didn't really care so much you know i want to i feel like i did a beer run that weekend i don't know if they're related to the injury but that's probably is yeah and and what happened is is you know because maybe we want to talk about therapizing me a little bit i felt like if i wasn't getting accolades that people wouldn't like me so i still continued to run even though my hamstring was clearly deteriorating and I ran a, uh, it was a leg of a four by four and I tore it miserably. And they said it almost completely ruptured. So ruptures when Ooh. it completely goes through and then your, you know, your, uh, like muscles are like, three. right. They're like <laughs> rubber bands. So if you completely tear it, they'll separate back to the, the bones where they're latched on. They took a X-ray and it actually was pulling off part of my pelvic bone. It was so, so much strain. Mm. But yeah, so I had this injury and uh, there David. There goes your social life. Yeah, and I have nothing, <laughs> nothing to amount to. So no accolades. Uh, me and David are sitting on this couch because we both had crutches, and he had, uh, I think it was an ACL tear. So like he had a really bad knee injury, and he so, was prescribed. Real quick, so yeah. he pulled his knee, right? And you pulled your pelvis. My. So what hamstring. were you guys doing together at the same time? <laughs> there it is. You guys can infer what you want. He was a he was a lax bro. Uh, he played lacrosse, so he tore uh, his. Like, is, the, is that the same? Is, is that the it, same? As, it was unrelated from the couch. The injuries happened prior to me and him being on the couch. Is I that the same as a power bottom? Is that? I don't. I don't know all the names for all the different things. Twink and twink and whatever. Let someone more educated on that stuff explain it to you. Um, so we're sitting on back to the couch. <laughs> <laughs> when Anthony's here, we don't know anything. He was prescribed pain meds, right? And I wasn't. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and I'm like, he gets pain meds for his stuff. Like, I should get pain meds for my stuff. At this point, it wasn't like I was, you know, off the deep end or even, you know, signs of alcoholism may be there, hindsight 2020, but I didn't really see much of it in my life. It didn't really cause me any problems just drinking with my buddies on the weekends. And so I started to do pills with him sitting on that couch. And I remember being on the pills and remembering that this is so much better than weed because I can still talk and do things and converse with people. This is so much better than alcohol because I don't have any like physical signs of, you know, unless, you know, at the end of the road, obviously it's very obvious when someone's you can drive. Out. Yeah. You can yeah. do anything. I felt like it was the best version of me. And, uh, and that was kind of just like the seed was planted. I didn't really get into pills a lot. I, I dabbled with cocaine early on in my college career, but, um, you know, it was just kind of like that, that little seed is like, here is a substance that doesn't seem to follow the rules of other substances, which is even though I'm high, no one seems to know. And it doesn't seem to affect my ability to do the things that I need to do, you know? And, uh, I didn't have like any kind of plug or anything like that. Usually you came across pain meds 
because so and so's mom. Because you met me, right? That's then, <laughs> or you met Chad Fredman, right? My name then, was Pillhead <laughs> Chad in school. Is that what they school. called you? I was not even. Don't be a bitch. Did you get one of those awards? <laughs> at the end? I, I got most likely awards, to sling pills. I got term. I got Washingtons, Benjamins. Yo, they Franklin's. made a special accolade for me. What was it? Biggest slacker. Ah, mm. wow, that's clever. Yeah. Anyways, there was dude. just nothing below your name. Uh, no, there was dollar <laughs> signs. Just, just dude. Chad, it was Chad Fredman. No, mine said, mine said Chad Fredman, aka, aka, <laughs> aka, shooter's gonna shoot, dog. If you know his middle name, however that goes. <laughs> we have the yeah. same middle name, dude. Right. But you didn't even know that because guess what? Huh. I never told you my middle name. Oh, there you go. You asked me a question that led to the couch, <laughs> and here we are. So there was a, a something about it leading there. <clears throat> so moving on through my life, I thought that I was I was originally recruited by the Ivy League schools, not because I'm smart enough to get in those schools, but what they have is this program where if you have some kind of special skill, it'll help you get through the admissions process. So if you're like really good at violin or a scientist or whatever, and you that's my best description, a scientist. If you could submit something <laughs> that shows your abilities beyond just your academic transcripts, then they would help you get through admissions at some of these harder schools. So I applied to Princeton and Brown and uh, Columbia. And I was being recruited for those things and I had a circumstance while I was in my recruiting trip in New Jersey, which is where Princeton is, and uh, I went out and they do this thing where like on the Friday night, a member from the football team, they become, I forget what they call them, your like mentor or your chaperone or whatever, and they like show you around and they always tell them like show you good times. So he took me to parties and all that stuff and I got really drunk like wasted blackout don't remember very much of it and the next morning you have a breakfast with like the whole coaching staff and (laughs) I do not look good and I had some other substances with me to keep me out of my drunkenness so I use those substances and we come out of one of the breakfasts and the uh, one of the coaches like hands me a napkin says you got something underneath your nose there nice we're gonna let you stay here for the rest of the weekend but we're not interested anymore you know, and I kind of kept that to myself. I wasn't going to tell anyone Damn. about that. I didn't want to. Looking back now, the thing is that's kind of like saved me from myself is that those schools don't offer financial aid outside of need based aid. So it doesn't matter, you know, what type of grades you have. There are certain scholarships and stuff like that, but I'm only getting in because of the football program. I would never have gotten into a school like that if it wasn't for one of those outside things going on. And, uh, you know, tuition at a place like that is 50, 60 grand a year times. So you're talking quarter of a million dollars that I saved myself from, you know, in in terms of student loan debt, I'm going to get it anyways, but we'll get to that. I'm sure. So that didn't work out. And so I started to shop around other schools, started to use the track card. I ended up walking onto the football team at ASU on track scholarship and academic scholarship. So I still got all school paid for and uh, was able to partake in the football team And about two or three months in, after playing football with them, the coach offered me the ability to get off of track scholarship and then to be put on football scholarship. They won't let you be on what they call a secondary scholarship and play for a primary sport, which is, I believe, basketball, football, and baseball. And the reason why is because, I guess, back in the day, USC used to sign soccer players to play football, NCAA scandals. Mm. Read about Pete Carroll. Um, So... You can't I, talk too much sports around Chad. He yeah, just glazes over. To be honest, yeah, really yeah, pissed yeah, off. Yeah, 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 I, I did just glaze. He gets I, super pissed. No, really I was like, we need to start relevant. paying these fucking college football kids, dude, because they're out there fucking getting fucking CTE and, and getting concussed, dude, and they ain't getting a fucking dime, bro. There's a Will Smith movie about Tell the life. truth. Anyways, so I'm, I'm there and I'm playing football, and uh, the coach tells me he's going to do all that, so you have to like rescind your track scholarship so that you can be put on the other sports list or scholarship or whatever and uh if there's any asu fans out there this was the year that erickson got fired forks up it's it's uh it's there yeah there the shocker yeah dave gave me these ones (laughs) it's this one yeah that's Uh, a that's a gang sign and that's not allowed here what gang is it you're you're from south chicago i'm not from south chicago dude that's not even how they is that not a place where where are you from i'm from fucking indiana bro i'm from the East side, dude. East side, Chicago. Yeah. Yo, did you see what Mike just did? He turned the interview around on you. Yeah. You didn't even realize it. Hey, you can go. You can go. You can go ahead and just fucking just. 
with that, dude. Get back to you, dude. <laughs> so regardless, yeah. regardless of your reckless ways, obviously you're still a fucking smart kid, dude, and you're getting through this this uh, this college and these scholarships, and you're playing fucking football, man. When does it start to come to a head, dude? When does when does the when does the roof start to collapse, dude? Then. So in the middle of all these things and trying to negotiate, so Erickson gets fired, but he's going to finish out the season, right? And uh, the semester is going on, and I have all A's in all my classes, and we're going to this bowl game in Las Vegas, right? So we're on our way. We get on their plane. We're heading to Las Vegas. You have to show them your transcripts or your grades as they're going to come out before you get on because it's against NCAA for you to be in noncompliance with your, with your grades and go to a bowl game. And so we fly out there. And as we get there, we're in there for like a day in Las Vegas and running around and doing whatever. And uh, and the the operations, I forget what his actual title is. It's like director of operations or something. He's basically the head coach to do things except for coach football. So he handles all the administrative stuff or whatever. He calls me, asks me to come up to his room. So I go over there. We were at, I think it was the, is Mandalay Bay? Isn't that the name of the hotel in Vegas? There's a couple of them, but that yeah, is one of them. Yes. I think that's where we were. And anyway, so we, we get over there, and uh, he calls me in. He goes, "Hey, Ingrassi, you failed every single one of your classes." And what? Oh, I thought you were gonna say drug tests. They failed. Well, they were a little lax on those. Um, and uh, he had to send me home. Like, sent me back. My dad picks. It was kind of like the big the gig is up type of thing because I failed all my classes for non attendance. And then he was, Erickson was leaving, and then the new coach, who's not the coach anymore, but he was for a handful of years, Todd Graham came in, and he was as strict as they could get, tons of drug testing, they check on you in all your classes and everything, and they gave this whole spiel, and and then I started to get MICs, and I started to get more heavily into prescription meds, and at this time, my parents actually thought I was doing better because I was getting better grades. I took 18 credit hours and all this stuff. But like I said earlier, the idea for me is that I started to lean more heavily into the opiates and I felt that I could function better. You know, wake up at seven, go to my first class. I have a couple perk 30s and I can go from sun up to sundown football practice, all classes, no social time, just grinding, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, just grinding, just grinding. grinding. (laughs) Don't, that's, there's, there's the noise that we need. And, uh, and, and as I was starting to perform better, my addiction was getting worse, you know? So there was this, my thing always to my family and, and to much of my parents' distress was I always had this, this argument that I made, which was other people's parents don't put this kind of scrutiny or pressure or, or restrictions on them, and they're not even doing what I'm doing. You know, it's like, yeah, I know you caught me with drugs, but here's a good report card. Or I know that you're very upset for me totaling this car, but here's my full ride scholarship, you know, and, and you've met my dad. He's a very no nonsense type of guy. And uh, uh, you know what, dude, I want to say real quick, dude, your parents, dude, are fucking dime pieces dude i hope they don't listen to this too but they are dude. my mom your might mom, so thanks your, your mom and your dad are both good looking people dude so anyways continue with that but that's really interesting dude because we had a guy in here a couple weeks ago who talked about the idea of i'm not hurting nobody but my body and like that's kind of the same idea is like i'm i'm doing everything i i'm supposed to be doing here's here's like let me do my thing okay and I'm going to do good over here. Here's the good report card. Here's the full ride scholarship. And at any point, did you ever feel like that was like completely selfish and self-centered? Or it's called you- a bad faith argument. Yeah. No, I mean, like I knew that, but I mean, and you could probably relate is that my best defense is to go on the offensive, you know? And so if I could start to make them feel bad about possibly doubting the character and the abilities of their son, who's doing all these great things, and here's the newspaper article. Piece of shit. Yeah, and, and it was emotionally manipulative. I mean, my they were my first targets always, and to try to get them to back off of that. And, and here's the thing, is over a long enough period of time, like these things started to surface shortly after I left ASU because I felt like I wasn't gonna fit in there because of the type of defense they ran. I'm sure the underlying thought was this coach is way too intense for me to be able to survive here. And uh, I go to community college to play football there. And at that time, in between ASU and Scottsdale, 
transfer in. I got a full ride to play football over there, which, I mean, it's community college, so it wasn't a bunch of money. Artichokes? Still, yeah, the chokes, Nice, man. the Fighting Artichokes. They were, Is that uh, what their name is? Yeah. The Fighting Artichokes? There's, yeah. there's a history to that. It was something about... Uh, have That's you never the new seen... name of the fucking podcast, dude. We're the fighting... fucking Artichokes. You, you got their colors, man. They're mm. green and uh, like dark green and black. It was some kind of protest against them being on the Indian Reservation, I think. There's some history about it. It's like one of the jokiest mascots. Jokiest, there's a word for you. We're getting veggie burritos after this. <laughs> the artichokes, the sound bites. You're getting good at this. He's been good at this. Um, yeah, so I went over there, and uh, in between ASU and uh, Scottsdale, I had approached my parents after moving back in with them because I hadn't lived with them for the, the entire year while I was at ASU. And we had the conversation about I have a drug problem. In my mind, the reason was is if you're out there at that time, I, I think Perk 30s were like 15 to 20 bucks if you were lucky, uh. you know? And I was probably doing about, I don't know, three to four a day, but I don't have a job and I can't afford a $100 a day habit and I didn't want to do anything aside from the pills. I mean, any other type of opiate they talked about, heroin or whatever else was around at the time, like that was a real drug that I wasn't going to take part of. Yeah, that I'm not going to cross that line, yeah, dude. That's but a, eventually we end up sniffing all those lines, dude. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We're at the 30-minute mark, <laughs> all right? So take a deep breath over there, Mr. Mikey, and uh, we're going to get back to it. See you guys in a sec. We end up sniffing all those lines. <laughs> sniffing them. Good evening, my friends. It's Commander Cutie, Mr. Chudsy Wubsy from the Last Week Out podcast, and we've got some exciting news for y'all. Over here at the Last Week Out podcast, we are produced by Slack Media LLC, and they have a special promotion going on right now. If you are a two-legged homo sapien or a millennial who just had a meaningful conversation and have the urge to put it on the internet, we're just the people for the job. We record, edit, and update and post fuck update and post what the fuck is update why did i say update you can update stuff i guess you can update stuff listen dude you want to fucking do a podcast guess what we're the ones that can do it for you we can edit mix master and produce the whole thing and we can help you figure out do you know what an rss feed is because i sure did it when i started this but because of slack media now i do so if you have a podcast and you want to get it started and you want to skip all the difficult stuff Go ahead and email slackmediallc at gmail and or you can and or fuck god damn it dude and or and or 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 you can slide in our DMs at the last week out on Instagram. Get on in there. Love you. Bye. Chad freestyle. Bu 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 butt out. Uh 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 E six. Bu 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 butt out. E six for all your vaping bitches. Get twenty percent off your order when you enter the promo code last week out. La 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 last week out. And we back and we back and we back and we back with dirty Susio Canelo Mike. <laughs> I dude and we were talking about college and we were talking about you being um a fucking wild kid dude and like trying to play college football while on pills and the roof started to collapse dude and everything started to fucking crumble at your feet dude so let's get back to that man the fucking <laughs> let's let's talk about the crumbles dude where did we leave? The, the You just did that. Um, so we were going from one college to another, approached the parents about the, uh, to my mind, was a financial issue of affording pills, but I approached them and, and I went to a doctor and that's when I was put on my first Suboxone maintenance plan. Mm. 19 years old, that lasted probably about six months and then for the next three years, just to kind of put a bow on this one, it was just treatment centers, Suboxone, halfway houses. Hold Chad on, hold Fredman. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
You're skipping a very important part of this thing. You started to say it, and then I interrupted you, dude. But it was not long after that, you and I met each other. Yes, yeah. I did. I was that not a fan what? of Chad Fred. The stars aligned. Let's and... talk about a few of our experiences together living in the halfway house, because I think some of them are very comical, and I really want the <sighs> listeners and the viewers to just hear about some of this stuff, dude. Because I, I have these weird pepperoni nipples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so yes. if you could describe... Confirmed. The like how you thought of me when you first met me. Describe me. Describe me five years ago when you first met me. Well, I was already living in the halfway house when you got, if I'm correct, kicked out of Calvary, right? And then yes. you get sent over there, which would be the beginning of your sobriety. So you turn uh-huh. that around somehow. And uh, <laughs> oh, the only thing I remember I do from the very beginning is one that fight with the the old guy that lived with us. Oh, Dick. Yeah, because you <laughs> we were playing with his his computer, and I believe he said my computer is worth more than your life insurance Ooh. policy or something yeah. like that. <laughs> he said, said he was going to end you, and then you did unsavoring things to his toothbrush. Uh, oh fuck! I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh my god! I don't want to talk about this, dude. Did you guess. ever apologize for that? Oh, make you did. Uh, yeah, I, you yeah, did. You took him to like a shelter or something after that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. So long. Long story short, dude. <laughs> long story short, dude. This dude said that he was gonna sue me and my mother, and that everything I know about anything, you can put on a stick and shove right up my ass. And he got very, very. <laughs> I'm aggressive, just laying on the dude. couch watching TV. You were, this is yeah. You're fucking. You're on the couch watching. You're watching. Dexter on your fucking iPad, dude, not doing anything with your life, dude. And you're just fucking sitting there watching this fucking go down, eating fucking Hot Pockets, dude. And this fucking old man, dude, he fucking postured, dude. And I thought he was going to hit me. And I was like, fucking hit me, old man. So he took off one day and I might have taken his toothbrush and rubbed it up my butt crack a little bit, dude. Like, it is what it is, dude. These things fucking happen, man. Did I take one of his Diet Cokes and rub it on my fucking testicles? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I'll tell you a quick story, dude. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story, okay? So, I'm I'm coming home from work one night, and I pull up into the carport that is behind this place where I'm living, right? And there's a man, and it's like 2 in the morning, and there's a man sitting there crying, and he just kind of, you know, as I'm turning in, my, my headlights kind of illuminate him, and he's sitting there, and this is a, an older man, he has everything... He has everything that he owns in a fucking laptop bag and a backpack, man. And this dude's probably like 65 years old, dude. And like his life has just been torn apart by drug addiction and alcoholism, dude. And it was really sad. And like I'm, I'm pulling up and I see him crying and I get out and I say, you know, I say, I say, Dick, what's going on, man? Are you okay? And he wipes the tears off his eyes like I imagine he's done his entire life. And he acted as if everything was totally fucking. He said, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing just fine right now. Yeah. How are you? And I was like, you're not okay, man. You're you're living in an alleyway. Like, what's going on? What can we do for you, man? And he's like, well, I need a ride to this shelter, this men's shelter. And I'm like, where is it? He's like, East Mesa. I'm like, get in, dude. We're fucking going for a ride, man. And I remember I took him there, and we had a good talk. And we talked to And, you know, he apologized for things, and I apologized for things. Not necessarily putting his toothbrush on my fucking scrotum, but it is what it is, dude. And I dropped him <laughs> off, man. And, and I haven't seen him since, dude. And, and I hope his life is going is going good, dude. But, like, you know, we make fucking mistakes, nice. dude. Nice. And we do things. You out. must have been under 30 days sober when you did that. Dude, I think I was, like, five or six days fucking sober, hey, dude. check so. this out. Everything I know about anything, you can put on a stick and shove right up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> That was all set up to get you to say that one line. Oh, God, that's so funny, dude. So anyways, man, yeah, so you meet me, and I'm fucking, I'm a wild kid. There was that, and then the the dubstep alarm clock every morning at 5 a.m. for him to go to some sunrise meeting at Crossroads. It was the worst. I hated him. I was bartending at the time. and What uh, dubstep song? It was horrible. It was was, not even good. It was Datsik Firepower, I remember, dude. (laughs) For months, for months at 6 a.m. This alarm would go off, and it wouldn't wake him up. It would wake me up to wake up Chad. It's basically how that went. And I fucking ate your food, dude. Raybird, the Raybirds roast beef sandwiches. Everything that I've ever heard about a guy complaining about being at a halfway house just brings me back to Chad Friend. So I'll always have a, a special place in my heart. You know, so that that land. How long was I there? Maybe like four or five months, and then I got kicked out again. I got kicked out of like six or seven. Oh yeah, I remember you. You came home. You came home, and we were doing the house meeting. Right. And you started to cry I in cried. front of everybody right. because I had gotten high again. Because <laughs> you had gotten high again. I don't mean to 
No, it's it. it well, yeah, hold on, hold on. I just want epitome wanted, of manhood. So I just want people to understand. I'm laughing because I have a deep and personal relationship with Mike. Uh, but it really wasn't a funny situation. It kind of ties into what we're talking about, man. Like you, you didn't necessarily. I'm going to go ahead and say you didn't want to get high in that right. moment, but what was the experience? What was the story? What happened? I would say all the way back from the time that I approached my parents, even though I thought it was a financial thing, through all the treatments and all the therapy, and there was even a time where my parents paid for me to go to a psychologist where they put the ultrasound jelly on my head and connected all these things to make sure I didn't have any underlying mental issues. Like, I didn't want to continue living the way that I was living for years. You know, for years and, and being in half, like I didn't live and run amok for very long. I don't have all these crazy stories about being out there, like a majority of my struggle getting loaded and trying to stay sober all takes place in this journey, if you want to call it that, of like trying to get my hands around this deal. And, uh, you know, it just always ended that way. It always ended with I'm high again or I got loaded again and I don't know how this happened. I don't know why this happened. I'm going to the meetings. I had sponsors. I did the things that were, reco- you know, that recovered people were doing. Um, and I always landed back there. <laughs> Wiping toothbrushes on your testicles. Well, yeah. just observing, kind of I stuff guess. I have plausible do. deniability there. I just, I guess my wrong is not speaking up, which I guess is still wrong, but... <laughs> Chad always finds a way to make a uh, a beautiful story out of his messes. Maybe you'll have him talk about all those someday. But uh, about that one time I. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was this. So I went to treatment and then I came back out and I had worked the steps again and, and done all this stuff and I put together like a decent sobriety. So I was living in like their graduate housing with Chad and Garth. Love Garth Kruger. He's the man. Um, and Chad, no, you stepped out of the shower and I threw a bunch of baby powder no, no, on no, you. No, no, That's no, how no. it started. I didn't step out of the shower, dude, okay? I didn't step out of the bathroom, okay? I, I was in the bathroom. I took a shower and then immediately after the shower, right. as I'm coming out of the shower, correct? you open the door and you throw what seems to be either baby powder or powdered sugar all over me while correct. I'm soaking it sticks fucking to a wet body. It was funny. It was and like I looked you in the eye. I looked you in the eye and I said, it's going to take a lot more than that. And I said, do you want to do this? Is this something you want to do? <laughs> and I said yes, and that was and a bad decision. You said yes. So there's another you guy. The bear. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's another guy living at the house with us at the time, and he thought it would be a good idea to take a dump in a freezer bag, mm. and he put it in Chad's room. And then once Chad found it, him, <laughs> Chad, and this other guy went to where I was working. This was the hold middle on, of hold, summer. Hold by on, the way. hold on. We threw that shit away. Oh, okay. okay. So he took a new one. Mm. I didn't know that no, part no. of the story. He took another dump in a bag. And then I took a dump in a bag, in the same bag, okay? And oh, so it was combined. It was combined, nice. dude. And, like, literally my turd was, like, six of his, dude. They get the point. And I remember, <laughs> I know that's disgusting. And I'm so sorry to my listeners for about this, but this story is so fucking funny, dude. I'm working at this bar, and I and it must have been, like, a double or something because I had been what there kind of all car day. I was driving what? this 1986 BMW that I had had for years. It looked like a tiger had been living in this car, shredded to pieces, but it still drove, so... Mm-hmm. The windows didn't go down. No, no AC. No AC. It was. It was. I lived in that car for a little bit. Not a good time. Uh, and they had went to where I work because they know I can't lock my doors. They open my car and they put this bag in there. And I get in my car after a shift, probably around this temperature. So this thing had been cooking in there. And I'm driving home, and I my I don't know what the hell happened in there. My head's out the window. I'm puking now, right? And I pull up to the halfway house, still you know utterly confused at why this is happening to me. And there's Chad and this other guy just laughing hysterically about what had happened. So if you want to just like put uh, an entire you know make this thing go full circle, that was what it was like, you know living with chad for a decent amount of time did you call we, a truce after that or did you keep going i think that was oh, it yeah you yeah. were like you were like I'm i don't want to play anymore no, i chad, don't want to play don't anymore, get into a prank or a chad he will win he has no limits so <laughs> i was a different person than you yeah. but hey bro shooters gotta shoot dude yeah. you know what i'm saying you know what he's I mean? just trying yeah. to have you make a soundbite out of that one that's not gonna happen <laughs> I, wish I, I wish i had the one about the middle name uh. <laughs> all right dude so um yeah man uh you like coming, you're coming around, um, you're trying to get your life together, you're in your early 20s, you can't figure out why you can't stop getting fucking loaded, because I remember, I remember at this time, also, you were like, um, I remember, because we worked together, and um, 
I looked at you one day and you were like trying some alcohol and like we lived at a halfway house and that wasn't kosher. We weren't supposed to be doing that not kind of stuff. That. No. You're not allowed to do that when you're living in a halfway house because the one of the main requirements of living in said halfway house is abstinence from all mind altering substances. I think there's a, a a delusion that is fairly common, at least it was constantly reoccurring, which is that alcohol is socially acceptable. It's totally fine. There's no reason why I can't do this. And I think that was really the last experience that I needed to have before I was willing to go full tit tilt. Full tilt. Full tit. There's your sound. Oh side story one more time, dude. Then you can get into it. So this is Chad's podcast. This is my podcast, dude. Anyways, because I'm Commander Cutie. So listen, dude. One night, okay. I wake up. I wake up, and Garth goes, because we were all we all lived in this house together. Garth goes, "Hey, did uh uh did Mike come in your room last night and take your pillows and say he needed to put them on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram?" And yeah. I was like, "Uh, no." He's like, "Well, it's really weird because he came in my room last night and he said he just needed my pillows for Instagram, and then he just walked away." So then I was like, oh, shit. I was like, we were like, dude, I think I think Mike's getting loaded. No, there's no way. There's no way, man. He's just, he's so smooth with his words, dude. And he makes everyone believe that he's like doing just fine, man. And then. Um, he drug could, tested we, me after that. Well, no, for, we confronted you. And then you said, I don't know if what you remember this, but you were like, oh, no, no, no. I sleepwalk. Um, and I used to do that as a child. I would take all the pillows and I would put them in one spot and take pictures of them. I was sleep while you can ask my dad about it and, uh, come to find out. I don't remember if I ever did ask your dad or you came clean, but that never happened. No, that's not true. I that can't believe you happen. bought that. It was the kind of an on the spot explanation and you guys went for it. So I just rolled with it and he <laughs> drug tested me and I was blackout drunk. So obviously nothing came up on a drug test. So flew out of that one. I was living at the halfway house drinking for quite a bit of time. And I think the white, ac- white claws. No, they weren't a thing uh, yet. Four locos were still going right. strong though, before they changed them or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was that drive through liquor store right by the halfway house. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of like the last thing. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time right after I got clean about not being sober and it was you and Jake and Anthony and John and Garth. And we're all sitting in the living room there at Casa. And you guys are basically having this argument over whether or not I'm an alcoholic or not, because I seem to be keeping things together. And then, uh, Eric told me, he's like, well, then why don't you, why don't you try this out? And then John pulled me aside after that and he goes, dude, you know where this road ends and you follow it every time. Like you don't need to continue to have the same experience. You're out there doing all this stuff over and over again. And you've had this happen over and over. Like this isn't a joke. And and I remember that resonated with me so strong and I got loaded anyways, you know, and uh, went to the solution a few times, did the whole bed bug thing over there a few times and then ended up at the Salvation Army. I have another story, but I'm not going to tell it. But anyways, dude, continue. What <laughs> See, is Chad Fredman? That yeah. is plug your Instagram handle for any more Chudzy, stories. Chudzy yeah. Wubsy, dude. We're going to do, I think we should do a different segment of all the crazy stories. Like the time we stole all your clothes for April Fool's and oh then you blamed God. it on the only off-white kid at the All right, time out. House. He came into my room like 10 times. It wasn't because... He's painting me racist here. Wow. Yeah. No, he was my roommate at the halfway house, and he always was talking about my shoes and hats and clothes and all that stuff. And I come home one night, and he's gone, right? He's not there, and he's always there, and all of my stuff is gone. So my first thought was, like, this guy who likes all my stuff definitely took it. And it was actually Chad, who apparently you could just walk into anyone's room over there and just take all their stuff. But And it was an Eric's truck. Yeah, and they stole all and my stuff. And went to the office she said, this guy stole all Yeah, stuff. about two weeks after that is when I ended up getting... And was the only black kid that lived there. This was a trap. <laughs> so they Alright, take a breath, Chad. <laughs> All right, dude, let's get serious. <laughs> is this one we get serious? Is it, get we're about serious. 45 minutes in. We're going to get serious Let's now. get serious oh. here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Salvation Army, man. How humbling of an experience for the... How humbling of an experience was that for you? Tell us about the Salvation Army. You know what? I love the Salvation Army. And anyone who's been there probably hates it. Um, 
you know, because they take every shred of human dignity that you have from you. They tell you when you can do everything. They tell you when you can smoke a cigarette, when you can eat, when you can do anything. You have to make your bed military style. You get five shirts and five pants that they give you. Like it's everything is the way they want you to do it. And there's no questions about it. There's no arguments. There's no, my insurance is paying you because you work for them and your life is theirs, you know? And I think being in that type of situation, see back to our conversation about my accolades, you know, there was nothing, there was nothing about my name special. There was a, you know, a friend of mine actually went down there and got the, the key tag for my bed and, and he gave me a gift because I'm, I'm moving away. And he said, don't let your fancy new life distract you from where you came from, you know, and it has my bed number and, and my locker uh, letter on it. And it's, there's nothing about that place that allows you and people still go through there and run the gambit and not everyone who goes out of there is successful but at least my experience was is that this is the reality of who I am if I didn't have parents that diverted me from the problems that I was going through if I didn't have people who cared about me who kept bailing me out of trouble like my life would have looked like this four years ago you know and and it's looking like it now because it should have been the whole time and and my family had been going to some groups um, where they got healthy. I think my parents got healthy before I did and they decided that it wasn't helpful to me to help me anymore. And that was the only place that was left that would let me in, you know? And, uh, at the time you hate those groups though. Oh right? man. Like, oh, I couldn't, going. I couldn't, they still go actually. They still go, <laughs> they help other parents and, and it's really helpful for them, but it's also helpful for the parents cause they say we're terrified cause we don't know what's going to happen to our child. And, and, you know, my parents are able to sit there and say, we know it's terrifying, but this is the answer. It's not, it's not anything that you're doing that's keeping them from getting well. You know, it's, it's their choices that are bringing them here. And I remember I would wake up every day at the Sally and I would go down to eat breakfast and I'd look at that front door and I want so badly to leave. But I knew vaguely understood that there was nothing outside that door that was going to let my life be any different. And it'd been a long time, like you said, you know, since getting loaded was a good time. It was just something that ended up happening. And I think when you get to that place and I finally started to like listen to people, people that I didn't respect, people that I didn't think had good ideas, you know, most of these people had good ideas and deserved my respect, but that's the kind of person I was. I always thought I knew better than them. And, and, and it's crazy that some of the direction that I got, even from that early stage of my recovery from, uh, there was a guy who worked in intake named Brian. I'm forever indebted to that guy. My uh, counselor at the time was this uh, woman named Stephanie and she gave me some really good direction. And a lot of what my life looks like today came from those really early stages of my recovery and some of the direction that I was given, you know? Yeah, you just you just have you have such a powerful story, man, and don't let that fucking blow your head up any bigger than it already is, dude, because those glasses are about to come mm. busting off your fucking face right now, dude. Um, but, like, you just have the classic story, man, like, kid who had everything, you know, could have done, did anything he wanted with his life, man, and, like... You could have did anything, dude. You could have did anything. You, you could have... <laughs> You could have gone done did anything, man. I'm telling you, man. You, I mean, you, but you could have, dude. You had everything at your disposal, man. And like, uh, drugs and alcohol takes that away, and it's a really fucking scary thing. But like, what I really want to talk about now, dude, is like, you know, you're leaving. Where are you going? Pennsylvania. Why are you going to Pennsylvania? I'm going to law school at Penn State University. Whoa, yeah. dude. I'm For me, that makes me very happy because I know I'm going to have a good lawyer when I need one. Okay. Well, well it depends on what you what's get the in Penn, trouble what's for. What's the Penn State mascot? It's a Nittany Lion. Nittany. Yeah. They have this Nittany big statue. It's like one of the most photographed places in Pennsylvania. They tell you that on the tour. The only photographed place in Pennsylvania? <laughs> Probably. The only thing I know about Pennsylvania other than my visit to the law school is what I've seen on Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> and what I've seen on The Office. So I'm going into this fairly blind on what might happen to me when I'm there. They have these like, um, my dad was laughing cause they have all these pictures and promotional material. They try to get you cause they want you to come to their school. And, and there's a photo there. They got this beautiful new law school with one of those buildings that you're like some architect made his name on this building. It's weird shaped and big glass windows every day, every, all over the, the side. And you could see the library from the you know, acres of grass all around it. It's isolated. And my dad's looking over my sh shoulder and he just starts laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? And he's like, you notice there's not a drop of snow in any of those pictures? Like, they are bullshitting you right now. You need to know what you're getting into. It's going to be <laughs> miserable. And they start all these conversations about snow tires and chains. And I have, I've lived in Phoenix my whole life. Like, you know what I mean? I've never had to deal with anything like that. And aside from what the challenge is of, of you know, first year law school and there's all these... <sighs> 
scary stories and what it's going to look like. And I was working with, there's the cat. God damn, studio cats, dude. We got cats running around in here. Just little, little baby Nittany Lions. There little ba- they just kn- it literally knocked down that rock hard thermos, dude, and then ran away, dude. That's how cats are, man. Sounds like my first love, dude. Anyway, a rock hard thermos. <laughs> Pepperoni nipples and a rock hard thermos. Hashtag <laughs> I am extremely sad that you're leaving, but at the same time, extremely happy for you because we've talked about all these crazy stories, all these horrible things that I've done to you (laughs) and like to see the person that you have become today, man, is such a beautiful experience, dude. And we don't, here I go saying, dude, I got to stop saying dude, apparently. Oh yeah. Yeah. According to Zorro, dude. So whatever. She said seventy-two times. Who's, you said ca- it? who's tracking your like transcripts and counting all? There's your people words. doing that. There's someone who said you said fuck hundred and seventy-two times on the last podcast, and I was like, thanks, Joel. <laughs> you guys know who I'm talking. Shout about. Shout out to Joel. Appreciate you listening. Yeah, thanks, yeah, whatever, Joel, Joel Masterson, dude. Fuck yeah. man. Uh, your, your life is. I'm just <laughs> sad. Dude. I'm sad. I'm sad you're leaving. Like that's why we brought you in here at a random time on a random day, and it's like uh, I'm just so grateful to see that you're not the person that you've talked about for the majority of this podcast, man. And it's so fucking beautiful. So like my question is, is what are we going to do when you leave? Not us, but you, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? You specifically, (laughs) but you specifically, man, because I mean, like, what's your plans? Dude? I know like, what I'm gonna, gonna do. I'm gonna keep my car doors locked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying, dude. I mean, you. So, how are you gonna stay sober? What are you gonna do? What have you done? Well, so you know, far? there's. I've already reached out. My girlfriend already got me added to all sorts of recovery pages in Pennsylvania. I've called their inner group office. The cool part is, is I was in Europe this past summer. Just a little experience that I had, and I was in Zurich. And I'm there with just my brother and we're hanging out and he has a friend there and his friend is a chef in some restaurants. So, so we go eat and, you know, it's it's normal to be like welcoming and give people alcohol and all that stuff. And and uh, my brother's a good wingman. He'll like let me cheers with him and then I put the shot down and he'll take it real quick for me. So I don't look rude or anything like that. He's a good dude. And, uh, you know, it had been weeks since I had been to a meeting and not that I have never done that before, but I was just like, you know what, maybe I get planted. You never want to be caught in a situation where you don't feel like you're comfortable in your skin and, and bad stuff starts to happen. But I have this app on my phone, which like searches the area for recovery groups. And then you could set filters on top of that. So I'm like in Zurich between this period of time, cause we're going to all these museums and mountains and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't got a huge window. And then I filter for English too, because they speak German and French and Italian in Switzerland. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work out. And like five meetings popped up and I walk into this meeting and I sit down and they start talking the normal introduction stuff and they know they know I'm not from around there. So people, some start talking to me. One guy's from Brooklyn. There's someone else who's from Tucson of all places. Gross. Yeah. And I was like, I'm glad you got to leave. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and it just starts to bring that familiarity back. And I had this experience where I realized, and my brother was saying it too, because he came with me and, uh, and he, cause it was an open meeting. So he just, you know, sat there and listened in and, and, uh, we're walking out and he's like, you are a part of this worldwide cult and it's really weird, but I'm jealous of you. And I'm walking out and I'm like emotional because for so long I felt like you're trapped in what you can do. And I know they said a lot of things that you do have to be careful of when you're early on, you know, and like being around certain people or going to certain places or having certain dreams or putting yourself under certain circumstances. But in the four years that I've been sober, I've been able to to finish my undergraduate education and go through the law school admissions process and taking the LSAT. And and through all that, you know, I've definitely wavered in my sanity for sure. But what really it has done for me is it's allowed me to see that there is no limitation that can be added to my life on the basis of me being a recovering person or a recovered person. Like that's not a limitation that exists other than what I give to myself. And and of course that is things that have to come after you do the work that it takes for you to, to, to get well again, you know, to get to a place where you can handle life again. But I had that experience and I walked out and I was like, it could, and at this point in time, I hadn't necessarily locked in where I was going to school. I was still, you know, talking to some schools in California, here in Arizona and all that stuff. And, and Penn State definitely, put the most on the table for it to seem like and and end up being the best option for me. But it, my decision was no longer hindered by 
this idea that I couldn't go somewhere and do something because it's too hard or because I don't have recovery connections there or because of whatever my life experience has been, you know. And, uh, and, and I think even more so, <laughs> there's this statistic that says that lawyers have a higher rate of alcoholism than like the average person when they like, you know, do their statistics. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm pre-qualified. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it tells me that I already was given a lot of tools to be able to withstand that stuff, you know? And, um, it's interesting too, on top of that, the discussions that are being had, and I'm not going to turn this into some kind of like politicized thing, but there's a lot of discussions being had on how from a systematic and a governmental and a criminal justice level, we're dealing with alcoholics and addicts and how we can best help those people. And uh, the people who write these laws, they're people who were, I mean, you would hope they're people who go to law school, people who understand what it's like to be a drug addict or an alcoholic, or at least have compassion to that issue. And, and I'm starting to have discussions with people in my class and some of the professors already before I've even landed there about what those questions look like, where these problems are existing and, and what type of answers make sense so that people like us can have the type of life that I've had without getting in the way or rather the system, if you want to call it that, getting in the way of that progress, not because it intends to, but through lack of education or lack of, uh, you know, experience in those areas, you know, and, and, you know, a good example is Cam, like Cam went through the criminal justice system and his best resources was the fact that he met you in there. You know what I mean? Like what type of problem is that? And then you're going to get me off on a whole that's rant. Not, that's but, some limited resource. Yeah. Yes. You know, and just by chance that Chad had some old charges bring up, which sent him to prison. And he was a dude who happened to have like how that's like some stars aligning. And I don't think that we should live in a place where the stars necessarily have to align like that for someone to get the resources they can. Cause I mean, how long is, has Cam been out of prison? He's not committing years. crimes. He's a taxpayer. You know, he works a good job. He's running a recovery home, you know, and, and all because of that circumstance. So that kind of rolls around in the back of my head is like, hey, maybe some more people. I'm not saying that people in this field with the ability to get the education that I've been blessed with don't exist, but it always could use more people, you know. So that's really exciting for me to, to look at some of those possibilities. I still have no idea what I'm going to do um, in terms of a path to take. People ask me that all the time. Usually it's a dude who just got sober and is asking me about his his charges <laughs> i'm like you probably need a real lawyer dude i'm not one of those <laughs> but you know it's exciting it's exciting to get that opportunity it all starts back i there's a dude at the salvation army worked in intake and he asked me what my wildest dream was and i told him i'm gonna i'm gonna be a lawyer someday because i was just trying to piss him off you know and he says cool so if that's what you want to do what do you need to be at in four years and i kind of told him i was kind of caught off guard because i thought he was going to tell me that like I need to worry about staying sober first. And we backtracked all of those things where I need to be in three years and two years and one year and six months. And the first decision I made to like get onto this path was get a job at Starbucks because they pay for tuition at ASU. Mm. And like that plan has been unfolding, obviously because I've been doing the things that it takes to stay well. But I don't, I don't think that people need to limit themselves to what they think they could do just because they're a recovering person or what they think they can't do because of what their history has been. I mean, I know that seems redundant in, in obviously this context. You've had people come on over and over again and talk about the amazing lives that they have built. But I started having people help me plan this 30 days sober. Yo, shout out to the Bucks, yeah. too, dude. Yeah, That's Starbucks, crazy. Yes, Yeah, shout out to the Bucks, dude. Right. I, I want you to kind of just go back real quick. <laughs> Because um, you, you glazed over it very quickly. Because I remember when you originally told me the story about the five-year plan with the dude from the Salvation right. Army, man. Break that down a little bit for our listeners. Because that's some very powerful stuff. And I've actually gotten the opportunity to use that with other people. Right. So it, it the he had got it. I guess at one point in time, there was a guy who used to be like the president or vice president from Waste Management. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. But very successful guy. And he had taught it to, to the dude that was working at Intake with me. And it's really just kind of like a system to of goal planning that allows you to take tangible steps for big goals in real small pieces and understand like, I felt like throwing that goal out there that there was no possible way. And then he was at the end of the conversation after he leaded me back. And that's what you do is you start five years out and you start to, and, and you could really make the timeline, obviously five years out to be a lawyer was impossible because I had three years of law school and three years of undergrad to finish. So that's not going to work. But you know, for him to to back it up incrementally that way, for him to arrive at the very end with his punchline being, you can't get a job at Starbucks. 
And I was in the, I couldn't answer no anymore. You know what I mean? I couldn't say, no, I can't go to Starbucks. Like I, that's, I mean, I got a job there and most of my coworkers were 16 and 17 year old high school kids. And you crushed it on them. I made tons of lattes. Yeah. Dude, you, you, don't even, you didn't even know you wanted to be a lawyer. And then he fucking tricked you, dude. He tricked you into becoming a lawyer. I'm dude. all right being tricked, man. That was a that was a good joke's on me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like joke's on up. me. I was like, laugh from my yacht. Ha, 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 ha. So, you know, it's... it. <laughs> And I, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of guys. One of uh, one of the dudes that I've had the pleasure and honor of working with came to me. This was probably a year ago uh, because he always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. You know, that's what he wanted to do. And we talked about what that looked like, and he did some research, and then he found out like the first step for him is to just go to open mic nights. You know, and that doesn't seem too crazy that you could start there and start to do these things. There was another dude who said that he wanted to get a business degree and all this different stuff. I was like, okay, fill out your FAFSA. Can you do that? Let's just focus. Don't talk about how difficult it's going to be to get your business degree because it's going to be hard. But let's just look at that very first thing. How difficult is it for you to go on the internet and answer some questions? Like you can do that, right? We'll grab my light and you kind of help them get through it. But that that was really what it was like for me is, is whenever you look at the entire task at hand, it always seems too hard. You know, I find myself, I, I was talking to a, another attorney, this was a week or so ago, because of, because of my personal history, there's a part of the bar exam, it's called character and fitness. And there is, a, at least in Arizona, the guidelines read, and I'm paraphrasing, so don't quote me on this, but if there's any sort of history or uh, uh, evidence of alcoholism or substance abuse issues that the bar before admitting you, will launch an investigation to make sure, which is a good thing, you know, because you don't want to give someone your most privileged information and all your money and that guy's a criminal or sketchy or even lies, right? So it's a good deal. But a part of that is is me having to start going to a psychiatrist to just like document and also check in that I'm okay and that I'm an honest dude and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing to stay well. And every time that comes up, obviously I get I get caught up on like the bar exam and how difficult that's supposed to be. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it. And I know people who failed it and all that stuff. But at the uh, uh, at the immediate, all I need to worry about right now is whether or not my car is going to drive to Pennsylvania. You know, I don't need to worry about the stuff at the end. That stuff will be dealt with when it's time. So is it okay that we got down and dirty in this podcast, dude? I was thinking about that earlier, dude, because. Um, this is not this is not necessarily a recovery podcast, so we're not bound by any traditions. Like we're gonna put your freaking name on there. Um, is that is that okay that we've we talked can say about Mike, some of this Mike stuff? I. We Mike can I. Say, we yeah. can say Mike I, dude. But we're gonna put this on the internet. Are you okay with that? Yeah, just as long as it, Mike I should work just fine. I fully disclosed my person. I mean, the down and dirty was a little rough. Make sure my mom doesn't listen to this, but the uh, <laughs> Please don't. Uh, every every place that I've talked to is full disclosure. You know what my I mean? My mom's I, listened to every episode. No, it's fine. Yeah, It'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, I've never met most your mom, of the damning stuff was about you, actually, and all the grimy things that yeah. you did. So I guess the question I was just privy to you doing horrible things. I feel like so as long but as you're okay any, with it. Anyways, dude, I love you so much, man, and I am so flipping proud of you dude there, there i go mm. trying not to curse you hear that nice nice and you dude. know everything what i know about anything you can put on a stick and shove right up my ass <laughs> and you know what else i love dude i love i love david Woo! i love i love papito even though he's not here i love all our viewers i love my life i love myself which is very very important dude and it sounds like you got a lot of self-love too man so thank you for coming out here and sharing your experience dude and just being so freaking transparent man don't forget follow us instagram youtube spotify itunes stitcher all those places man buttoutesigs.com dude promo code last week out and what are they gonna get david oh 20 percent off and if you're listening right now you made it all the way through hit subscribe seriously it helps it does it helps a lot because we're trying to have uh passive incomes and not work hard anymore so love you bye